and then they progress and they become other other ministers. Uh, and you know, from a biblical perspective, of course, we taught all about this when we taught on uh, Ephesians chapter four. But from a biblical perspective, the apostle and prophet specifically and uniquely are called out as those whom the Lord gives specific revelation to to disseminate to the best of the body of Christ. Uh, and uh, he reserves uh, those two ministry gifts really for the more mature Christians, uh, according to the examples that we see in the word of God and the progression of uh, promotion that we see. Uh, and so if you if you see a brand new Christian or even a fairly immature Christian declare that they're an apostle, it's not likely true. Right. Uh, and so um, I'm not anybody's judge and that's not my job to decide who's called to do what. That doesn't mean somebody's not called to do that eventually. But um, because of the need for maturity and stability and revelation that, uh, and also to be operating in the ministry gifts, um, it's pretty rare that ever that uh, the Lord calls somebody uh, immediately to those two offices as soon as they're born again. And yet I've met many people who are very young in the Lord and declare that they're an apostle. You know, I'm like, well, I don't know what you know, you know, but um, uh, so people to call themselves whatever they want to, you know, really. Uh, Paul said that the signs of the apostle operate in his life. And so really, from my perspective, you know, I don't have to decide based on anything in the natural. I can decide based on what uh, what the fruit is in your life. Right. Because Paul said that uh, that the signs of the apostle operate in his life. And so there's supernatural uh, spiritual gifts that operate there. But also in, in the office of the prophets, you know, they have to be operating uh, in at least a couple of the um, spiritual gifts on a regular basis you know not just once in a blue moon and uh and so so that you know there's some requirements there and uh brother randy you know has has uh stood in office for many years uh and uh, and really exhibits all the uh all the signs that we observe in the new testament for the office of the prophet uh, he doesn't have long hair he buttons his shirt all the way up you know he's not weird and has crazy doctrine like a lot of people think that you know, to be a prophet, you have to have all those things, which are none of those things are important. Right. Uh, and it seems like sometimes prophets, especially in the body of Christ today, unless they come up with the wildest doctrine, they don't think like they're really operating in the office of the prophet. And the, the problem with that is, you know, the, the very first requirement of the prophet is you must be a teacher of the word. And if you don't know the word, um, then um, <laughs> it's really hard to stand in that office. Right. And and uh, and. You know, there, there are other things uh, that operate there uh, as well uh, in the area of ministry gifts and supernatural gifts. Uh, but it seems like uh, a lot of times that prophets feel like they've got to come up with some revelation or that they, they have some declaration of some natural uh, event that occurs in the United States. And, and um, you know, I don't know if you, if you remember back during all of the conflict of uh, the election how many nationally known prophets declared that uh, Donald Trump would be put back in office uh, on, on um, like March the 3rd or whatever it was. And that didn't happen. And they got extended to April the 6th because God forgot and said, oh, yeah, I forgot I was busy on March the 3rd. So uh, and then that didn't happen. And as well, it's going to be in August. Well, did it happen in August? It didn't happen in August either. Right. And, and uh, you know, you'd be better off just saying, you know, I just missed it on March the 3rd. And go on, right? Instead of extending it and then hoping people forget that you say, because, you know, after eight, August, I don't know what they said after that. Uh, but um, I'm not a prophet, but I knew he wouldn't be <laughs> put into office, right? Uh, you know, there's this little inconvenient thing called the Constitution, and it would have to be some, some 
beyond measure event that would occur for that to have happened. Amen. Uh, and so uh, and I didn't see any path to that, you know, and I sensed in my heart that that wouldn't happen also. But um, but the Lord told Brother Randy that uh, Donald Trump would not be the next president of the United States uh, unless he, of course, uh, runs for office the next time around, which the Lord didn't tell him whether or not he was going to run for office next time around. So, you know, uh, part of the advantage of being a prophet, if you're going to declare future events that you just have to wait long enough to see if they happen. Right. And if they don't happen, then. Of course, we don't live in the Old Testament. Old Testament, we'd stone them, right? Uh, we don't stone them. And, and that doesn't mean that prophets can't miss it, right? I mean, prophets can make a mistake just like anybody can make a mistake. I'm not looking for one-off error. I'm looking for, you know, what is your track record, right? Uh, how, many, how many things have you said? Uh, you know, Brother Hagin prophesied in the 60s, I think it was in the 60s, about seeing uh, burned-out cities in America, uh, and part of that came to pass on, no, on September the 11th, uh, 2001, right? Uh, and uh, not, that had never happened uh, in America before. Uh, and so, you know, Brother Hagin's uh, track record, uh, in fact, there's many times that uh, the Lord would tell him something, and he'd write it down. He would sometimes would call somebody, he'd put that in a safe, and when that event occurred, then he would pull it back out of the safe and, and show other people, you know, that, uh, that he wanted to let them know that the Lord had told them that. Uh, and so, uh, so anyway, just, I, I would caution everybody, you know, um, it doesn't matter what ministry gift is. First of all, we live in the new Testament. The advantage of us living in the new Testament is you have the Holy spirit in you. And, and so if you have the Holy spirit in you, then you have a right and a privilege to judge everything that is said by any ministry gift. By, first of all, the, the word of God, and secondly, by the spirit of God in you. Uh, Old Testament, you didn't have access to the word of God and you didn't have access to the spirit of God. So you had to just uh, assume that the holy, that the, that the prophet was telling you the right thing. Uh, and they didn't they didn't always tell the right thing because Ezekiel says that the prophets were speaking, saying, thus said the Lord when the Lord has not spoken. You know, so I mean, nothing's changed. Right. There are still prophets who are saying, thus said the Lord. And the Lord hadn't spoken. Uh, and so, of course, you know, Jeremiah also does talk about um, a lot of things about pastors, too. Right. So, you know, pastors uh, have their part to play. And in, in, uh, in fact, all of the ministry gifts will be judged more severely than than all of the, the non ministry gifts, all the Christians who are not in the ministry because of the influence that we have upon people's lives. Amen. Uh, and um, and so there's a lot of a lot of weird ideas floating around. Uh, in fact, I was talking to Brother Randy just about that the other day. You know, why is it that it seems like so many ministry gifts will just get some new revelation and they go off, right? I mean, they're going down this path of faith and increase and blessings of the Lord and healing or whatever. Then they get some revelation. It seems like they hang a hard left and they go down this path, you know, and it just, it's not the word. It's not the Holy Spirit. It's just some idea that they've got. You know, I remember years ago, we used to have this... Uh, minister would come to my pastor's church, you know, pretty regular basis for about once a year or so, twice a year sometimes. And uh, but then he got a new revelation. Every local church should have uh, one member of each of the five minister gifts in that church and then be led by the apostle. Well, the, the, the problem with that is there's no Bible for that. You know, there's no biblical statement that says uh, in every local church, there must be an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. And therefore, the apostle should lead that local church. Because uh, it's the, if, if it's a, uh, a sheepfold, then it seems like a shepherd would be the most likely and logical leader of that group of people. Uh, and so they went off, uh, he went off on this tangent about 
every church has to have these powerful ministry gifts. And so what if it's a small church? You know, what, I mean, you know, uh, we're not a big church and uh, uh, we got any apostles, prophets. I mean, I've had people come here and tell me they were, but, you know, I've not met anybody who actually were yet that, that comes to the local church here. Uh, and so um, what if you don't have them? Are you going to go hire them? I mean, uh, you know, does that mean you shouldn't be a church? Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what the, what the ramifications of that uh, issue is. Uh, but the whole problem is there's no Bible for it. Now, it may be that if, you ha- if it's your own church and you want to set it up that way, you know, i got no problem with that. You know, you set it up however you want to, right? We can put the chairs this way, put the chairs that way, stack them up vertically. I don't really care. You know, there's no Bible for uh, thus said the Lord, your chairs shall face east or west or whatever. Now, some people are like, oh, they got to face west, you know, or east, right? Because that's where Jesus, in case Jesus comes back during the service. But then I'm facing west, you know, so I think I'd want to see them, see Jesus for you. So I'm going to face east. You all face west, right? Uh, but I'm not going to, I don't really care, you know. But uh, in fact, years ago, it's funny, uh, we were at a funeral and I said, well, we got to make sure they face east. And I'm like, why east, you know? And of course, you know, I just had a, you know, sometimes you don't even think about things. Like, well, you know, Jesus is going to come back from the east. Okay, it's like, but is that really a big deal? I mean, you don't, you don't think they can just get out of the grave and turn around? I mean, I don't know. You know, is that a thing, right? I mean, uh, are you, anybody required in their will? You know, when I die, I've got to face east. Is that a, I mean, for some people, it's a thing, right? So uh, is there any Bible that says when you get buried, uh, face east? No Bible for it. So you got a preference for it? You know, no problem. But you can't build a doctrine on it. So the issue is, what do we build doctrine on? Amen. So i got no problem with preferences, you know, if that's how you want to do it. We've got red chairs. If you like blue chairs, fine. You know, red, green chairs, fine. You know, there's no there's no Bible for colored chairs, right? Uh, and but some people would, oh, they gotta be they gotta be blue, you know, uh, uh, or they gotta be red. You know, stripes of Jesus were red, you know. And uh, but there's is there any Bible for the uh, the color of the chairs? No. So I have seen many times where ministers will will go off on a tangent about things. And it's, a, and it's a revelation, right? Some new revelation, but it's not founded in the Word of God. It's founded in, in something that they believe the Spirit of God told them, which I'm not even saying the Spirit of God didn't tell them that, but sometimes the Lord will give you a revelation that's for you. And it's for you only. It's not to be expanded to the whole body of Christ. It's just for you, you know? And I've had uh, one friend of mine, uh, the Lord told him, get up at 5.30 in the morning and pray. Well, that's a revelation, right? That's something the Spirit of God revealed to him. My will for you is to get up at 5.30 in the morning. And according to people like Johnny, 5.30 in the morning is in the morning, right? See, that's not really the morning. That's still nighttime for me, right? I mean, you know, about 8 or 9 o'clock is about in the morning, right? That's when morning really is, right? I don't know what 5.30 in the morning stuff is, you know. But, uh, and so, fine, you know, no problem, right? But then he said, all of you all need to get up at 5.30 and pray every day. Well, now, see, now he's turned what the Lord told him to do into a doctrine, into a, something that thus said the Lord, you shall do. But... The problem with that, there's no Bible for that. So if there's no Bible for it, you can say, wait, well, it works great for me. You know, you might want to try it. Well, that's okay. That's fine, right? You know, if that works for you, that praise God, you know. Um, but our doctrine has to be founded only in the Word of God, not what I think, not what's been revealed to me, only in the Word. And so, you know, there's so many things I hear people do, I don't even pay any attention to it because they've got no Bible for it. So, I'm not mad at anybody, but, uh, and I'm not even saying that the Lord didn't reveal that to them for them for that moment, but if it's not in the Bible, then I'm just not going to follow it. I have no interest in following it because I can't have faith in anything except for the Word of God. Uh, and so I, I'll just caution, you know, there, there's always, uh, there, as, as long as there's people on the earth, there will be people who, who say, thus said the Lord, and the Lord hadn't spoken. Uh, and, um, and the great thing 
The thing that's amazing to me really is how any Christians are ever fooled anyway. You've got the word of God in you. You've got the spirit of God in you. You've got the spirit of God, which is the great equalizer across the whole kingdom of heaven. Uh, you know in your heart when uh, it's really the Lord or not, or you have the option to know in your heart whether it's really the Lord or not. Sometimes we don't want to listen to the spirit of God. Sometimes because of our training, uh, I know, especially in certain circles, uh, people were taught that the pastor local church is nearly Jesus, right? I mean, you got Jesus and just a little below Jesus is the pastor, right? So you hold him in such high esteem that you almost worship the pastor. And, and if that's true, then he can do no wrong. Uh, and the problem with, with that mentality, you ever seen a pastor do wrong? How many people do you know in the church that have left the, the, the local congregating body of the church because a pastor did wrong? Lots of people, right? Because I've elevated a pastor to a position that he, does, he doesn't hold, right? I mean, you know, I, I hold a position of authority in a local church and a position of responsibility. Uh, and so, uh, uh, and uh, in that, then uh, I also stand in office uh, because of accountability, right? So I have a high level of accountability because of the office that I stand in. But that doesn't make me God. I know you all know that, right? Uh, I mean, that's news to my wife because she always thinks I've been God, you know, all of, all of our marriage, right? Of course, but, um, um, but that doesn't make me God. And if I fail, I mean, you know, uh, you've heard me tell all the stories of my past. My pastor was not a perfect person. That did not shake my faith in God at all. All the, the terrible things that he did wrong and, and all the wonderful things he did right didn't impact my faith in God. You know, I saw him for, as a human being, called of God and owned of the Lord, to stand in the office that he did on occasion, he would not do it well. <laughs> Some, most of the time, you know, oh, in the great scheme of things, most of the time he did it fine, right? Sometimes he didn't do it well, but uh, it didn't, you know, it didn't affect, because my relationship was with the Lord Jesus. Now, some ministers will try to imply that, you know, I'm nearly God and, you know, and if I say it, you have to do it. And it really, if, if I say it and it's in the word of God, then yes, you've got to do it. But if I just say it, You've got to get up at 5.30 in the morning. Well, what if I don't want to get up at 5.30 in the morning? Well, then you're in rebellion. Maybe, you know, maybe I work second shift or something. You know, maybe I work third shift. And, you know, I mean, I can't do that. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, there, there's just, uh, and there's so, much, there's so much confusion in the body of Christ about things. That it seems like we just have a hard time staying down the middle of the road. Uh, and really, the middle road is just the Word of God. The Word of God is found in the middle of the road. It's not found in the right-hand side of the ditch, not in the left-hand side. Of the, it's found in the middle of the road, right? Uh, and, and, uh, and, so, and, that's, and that's why, personally, I love the Word of God because it's a, it makes the, the whole uh, playing field level because uh, there's no revelation that I get that, is, that you can't get also because it's in, it's in the Word of God. Now, I understand how you apply the Word of God. You know it's going to come by revelation and Part of the job of the teacher and part really the whole fivefold ministry gifts is to reveal to you how to apply the word of God to your life, right? Uh, and I do believe that if, if the Lord said that it's through the fivefold ministry gifts that we are perfected, that it's biblically impossible for you to be perfected outside the fivefold ministry gifts. So there are plenty of people who believe that they can sit at home on their couch and their internet and, and be perfected. And it's biblically impossible. They cannot, be, they cannot grow and achieve the spiritual maturity they desire outside the local church. It's biblically impossible. 
Uh, and, and so if the Lord Jesus set up the church uh, the way he set it up, right, which is, that's why he set it up, right? So if he set it up that way, then we, then we as humble servants of the Lord must yield to his instructions and follow his word and do that diligently, amen? Uh, and, and keep everything in balance, amen? So I'm not God. I haven't died for anybody. In fact, you know, if somebody shot, I'd probably duck, you know, and, and so, you know, I mean, if a hand grenade falls on the ground, I'll probably run. You know, I mean, I don't, you know, I, I, mean, I don't know if I would or not, you know, but uh, I, the thought would cross my mind. Well, they're going to heaven anyway, you know, so, I mean, it'll be all right. And, and so, uh, you know, I'm, I didn't die for anybody. I haven't shed any blood for anybody. Uh, I'm not worthy to be worshipped. I'm made out of dust and clay like you all are. Uh, and, and, um, and, and now I know uh, that's one side of it. The other side of it, the Bible does talk about how those who study the word of God and, and pray are worthy of double honor, talking about the ministry gifts. And so there is honor that, that can be given to the ministry gifts, but there's a difference between honor and glory. You know, you can honor the ministry gift without glorifying them. Amen. And you should never glorify a human being. We are unworthy to be glorified. We can be honored, which just means to esteem highly. Uh, and that's fine. That's perfectly fine and normal and, and valid and biblical and scriptural. Uh, but uh, if we go beyond honor into glory, then, you know, there's only one God. Right. He's the only one worthy to be worshipped and glorified. We as human beings will never be qualified for that. And so um, that's all the precursor for today. But I mean, that's it's uh, uh, that would hopefully would help us. Amen. Uh, I have seen and observed uh, much uh, problems in the body of Christ due to ministry gifts uh, stepping outside their boundaries that they should. Amen. And, and then going off on a tangent in some um, some um, some new fangled revelation and i know we get revelation every day but it's just exactly what the word says you know things that like hey we got to set up a church this way you know it's amazing if you go through the word of god there's very little instruction about how to set up a local church very little instruction in fact someone said the early church had had no buildings you know all this stuff like where did the eighty thousand people in jerusalem meet and when they set up tables for the widows where do they set up the tables uh, you know, uh, and we're, uh, it's just absurd. People say things like that. They just say things. It's, it's not even true, right? Some churches met in homes, but not all churches. Some churches met in buildings, right? Real buildings with real churches and, and a real structure, real organization, right? Deacons, elders, uh, bishops, right? All of those things. Uh, and uh, uh, there are people who desire to destroy the local body of Christ. They don't want a local body. They want to have, they call it, uh, there was a revelation came through a few, few years ago called the simple church, which is there's no leadership in the church. There's no apostle, no prophet, no evangelist, no pastor, teacher. There's no structure. There's no buildings, no chairs, no electricity. Uh, and so therefore, you just meet wherever you want to meet, coffee shop, house, couch, wherever you want to meet. Uh, the great thing about that, there's no leadership. So you have nobody to answer to. You don't have to do anything, right? You just do whatever you want to. Uh, uh, and so there's no, there's no accountability. There's no instruction. There's no, uh, there's no perfection, but they're still collecting on money. You know, I'm sure these people are collecting money somewhere. I can guarantee you follow the money, you'll find out where they're going, right? Uh, and, it, and it was just, uh, in fact, somebody, you know, oh, you've got you to gotta hear this guy. And I'm thinking, you know, they just went on and on. I thought, well, I ain't met anybody that good. And I, and I listened to it, and, and uh, he had like five-minute uh, little videos. I powered through about four or five of those. I mean, it was, it was biting a nail and, you know, uh, then I had to chew on some leather for a while and I had to just, you know, close my eyes, hold my breath for a few minutes. And it was the hardest thing I did in a long time. The worst, absolute worst doctrine I've ever heard in my life. Simple church. We don't need chairs. We don't need structure of authority. 
We don't need anything. We just need God. Just need God. I just need Jesus, you know. Except Jesus is the great shepherd, and, and I'm an under-shepherd of the great shepherd, but I'm still a shepherd. So if you don't have a shepherd in your life, Jesus said that, uh, what did he say in Matthew chapter 9? That uh, they are like sheep having no what? Shepherd, right? They go astray like sheep having no shepherd. Not sheep having no apostle, not sheep having no uh, prophet, no, not a sheep having no evangelist or teacher. Specifically, sheep having no shepherd will go astray. That, I didn't say it. Jesus himself said it. Uh, they, they have no shepherd. Uh, and if they have no shepherd, then they will go astray. Every Christian who does not have a local pastor will go astray in their spiritual life. They may be good people, moral people, kind people, generous people, but they will not be where they're supposed to be spiritually if they don't have a local shepherd. Uh, and so, uh, and, you know, now, I know I'm a pastor. It sounds like I'm self-serving, but I lived that way for, for 20 years before I was a pastor, right? And so, uh, in fact, all of my Christian life, I've always had, uh, from the day I got born again, I've always had a pastor in my life, amen? Some were more effective and, and valuable to my spiritual life than others, but always, I, I, never, I never thought about just staying at home and doing my own thing ever, you know? I always went to church and, uh, and will always go to church. And so, it's not that I haven't lived that way. I lived that way long before I was in the ministry, amen? Uh, and so, we are here in um, the book of Philippians, and uh, uh, we're finishing up chapter 1 and getting into chapter 2. So we talked about uh, some, uh, verse 29 there uh, of chapter 1, says, For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. So there is suffering uh, that will occur as a child of God. And, you know, you have to be careful uh, in your life of, doing whatever you can to avoid any suffering. And so, you know, a lot of times I have seen and observed Christians will compromise their faith because they don't want to have uh, any persecution. Uh, you know, if you're in a group of people and, uh, and someone says, I can't believe some people speak in other tongues. You know, and, and if you do, but you say, oh, yeah, no, I know, I agree 100%. You know, I can't believe people do that, even though you do that, right? Mm-hmm. We well, see, you don't want to be persecuted because if you say, oh, well, I speak in tongues, they'd be like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you ever gotten that that little look like that? You know, when you find up somebody when somebody finds out you speak in other tongues. Right. Uh, and and uh, I mean, I've had to look many times, you know, oh, it's, you're one of those, you know, uh, and, and uh, you know, and my thoughts are, you mean you're not? How could you read anything in the New Testament and not get spirit filled and speak with other tongues? Right. It's one of the most well documented uh, doctrines in the New Testament. Uh, and, in, and in fact, Jesus commanded it. Right. Uh, you shall uh, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost come upon you, uh, and, and so tear you in Jerusalem until you do the power from on high. Right? I mean, there's, there's we can go through all kinds of scriptures about it, it's a requirement, not a suggestion. It's not just for the Holy Rollers, not for the Pentecostals. It's for the whole church. Amen. Uh, and and so, but sometimes, uh, you know, I, I remember uh, one time years ago um, that uh, when I was a sound man. Uh, you know, uh, there were times and seasons of anything, right? There were times and seasons when I was a sound man, everybody loved me. I was the greatest sound man since, you know, since dirt. There were times and seasons when most everybody hated me. And I don't know why, you know. <laughs> I mean, we had entire meetings scheduled just to tell me how bad of a sound man I was. Well, we'll just fire me. Well, you can't quit. Well, that doesn't make any sense. I'm not doing anything wrong. There's nothing better I can do than what I'm doing, but because, you know, and there are a lot of reasons for that, right? Mostly because I wouldn't compromise, but, um, and so, 
so in one of the seasons where I wasn't the favored child, uh, they decided to run a snake. Uh, you know, a snake is the bundle of wires. It's a, it's a single bundle, right? But it's all wrapped up. They run typically from the soundboard to the stage, right? And it's called a snake, and it's got 20, 30, sometimes uh, 50 or more wires in it. And so it's an easy way to run a lot of wires back and forth from the stage to the sound booth. Uh, and, uh, and so when you do that, you know, there, there's not a lot of things you got to know, but there's a few things that are helpful. Uh, number one, you don't run them over any other electrical wires, right? Especially over um, uh, fluorescent light bulbs, right? Because fluorescent light bulbs have the ballast in them and they hum, they have all kinds of electrical noise and the wires in those snakes will pick that up and then you'll get a hum in the system, right? So you turn the system on, there's no microphones on it, all you hear is like a 60 hertz hum, right? Uh, and um, I don't know if that was a perfectly pitched uh, hum there or not, but uh, is that a pretty good? Uh, Chris had a pretty good hum, right? So that was exactly a 60 hertz hum. Uh, and so you'll hear that, and, and it's always there, right? And it's kind of annoying after a while, right? Or you'll get a hiss, you know, all the time. Uh, and so, uh, but usually for that problem, you get a hum uh, by doing that. Uh, and so, of course, did they ask, ask me? You know, it's not like I had 60 years of, en of engineering education, right, or anything like that. And so, uh, and plus read many books on running sound and how to put the sound systems together. Uh, and I didn't know all there was to know about sound, but I was a good sound man. And if the Lord assigned me that, to that task, then I was going to be a good sound man. And I went about learning how to be a good sound man. But they didn't ask me. And so they're running it across these lights. And so I got to decide, what do I do? I mean, you know, uh, and the guys that were running it, you know, uh, if you ever said anything that uh, that was different than what they thought, they would just excoriate you, you know. Uh, and so I had I had to decide, what do I do? Well, my role was to be the sound man. My role was to make the sound the best sound possible for the pastor so that the people could receive the word of God uh, to the very best of the whole system's ability. Right. So everybody could hear well and there was no issues in the sound. I mean, that's the job of the sound man. Right. The job of the sound man uh, is to be completely unseen and to make the sound uh, and all the other things as good as possible. Uh, and so if I had a hum in the system, that would be really annoying. And if you get a hum in the system, you can't fix it. You can't fix it at a soundboard, right? There are, nowadays, there are other boxes and other software you can buy that get rid of some of that, but, you know, you're getting rid of something that shouldn't have been there to begin with. And so, anyway, it's, uh, um, I had to decide, and, and it was those two guys, and and uh, I didn't want to decide. I didn't want to have to go up there and say anything, right? Uh, but at the same time, that was my position. So I decided, well, I need to say something. And so as kindly uh, and as quietly as I could, I went up to the guy. I said, hey, um, you might not want to run that snake across those uh, fluorescent lights because it'll cause a hum in the system. And, and, and it was like a kind of a work day at church and everybody was milling around in the church doing things and you know, but it was just me and those two guys. They were on the ladder. And and, um, uh, and so uh, instead of saying, yeah, you're right, you know, we'll do that. They started saying, well, doesn't he think he knows everything? Chip Baldio thinks he's so smart, smarter than everybody else in the hotel. And they were saying it like that, right? It's loud, like everybody could hear it, right? Now, I knew they were going to do that. I knew that they were the kind of people that would do something like that. That's just rude and disrespectful, right? And it's just so so childish and bullying and I can't stand bullies anyway, and I can't stand people who bully other people. Uh, and so, but I'd much rather them bully me than somebody else, amen. Uh, and, and so, 
so I had to make it so, you know, now how many times would we say, well, I, I don't want the conflict, right? How many people say, I don't want conflict. I don't want conflict. Lack of conflict is not a goal in my life. Uh, doing the word of God and doing what his spirit tells me to is my goal in life. Amen. Amen. If that causes conflict, I am not intruded in conflict, but people will have conflict because of what you do. They will conflict with you because of what you say. I have no desire to be uh, uh, confrontational. I have no goal to in- inflict pain and agony or, or discomfort on anybody. But sometimes breathing air will cause people to just uh, bust a blood vessel. Uh, and that is not my problem, right? I mean, I have, uh, you know, sometimes people just, I mean, you just say hello and they will get all offended. Uh, and, and I'm not going to live my life based on a bunch of cupcakes and snowflakes running around that can't take any little thing. And I'm not unkind or rude. You know, I don't believe I am. And, and uh, you know, and especially if there's the word of God that that is because much of the word of God is is dealing with correction. But there's always a balance in that. So I try to find the balance in all even in the correction of the word of God. What's the balance? To it? You know, why did the Lord tell us these things? And how does how will this help us if we do do what he says? Uh, and so. I did, you know, and it was a minor suffering. I mean, any suffering I've ever experienced has just been emotional trauma. It's never, nobody's ever hit me or beat me or shot me or stabbed me or buried me in the backyard or thrown me in a prison or anything like that, like they would Paul or Jesus or, or any of the, uh, the uh, martyrs of the Lord. But it's still, it's not fun to, to be publicly, you know, uh, excoriated uh, in front of your peers and in front of your church, you know, members that... Uh, because these were leaders in the church. So what do you think all the other church members thought about me? There he goes again, saying all those things, you know. And, and they don't even realize. They wake up, I don't even like him. And I had never done nothing to him. I don't like him. Well, why don't you like him? Because of what those two guys over there said. Uh, and there's a lot of people who were got out of sorts with me, not because of anything I ever did to him. Because I could stand here as with, with, uh, uh, with a completely clear conscience and tell you I never did anything to harm anyone uh, in all those years with my, with my pastor and did everything I could to help anybody that, that I could assist in any way that I was able to help them. Uh, and, and that's my heart. And, I, and, you know, of course, my wife was there and I have other witnesses, right? Mr. Jerry was there, you know, he was there for many years. He can tell you those same things to be true. Uh, and yet there were many people, not just those two guys that were on the ladder, but many people in the church who absolutely could not stand me. And it was because of situations like that. I had one fellow stand up in the church and said, Chip Bolio gave me bad financial advice. And, you know, anytime people needed financial assistance in the church, the pastor would oftentimes ask me to go talk to him. Uh, and, you know, and, and I'm not a financial, you know, I'm not an accountant, but I do know how money works, right? I understand how interest rates work. I can explain to you all the details. You know, if you're, if you're having a hard time sleeping at night, call me. I'll tell you how credit cards work and interest rate works and how, you know, principal works and how to pay off your debt faster. And you'll be asleep in no time, right? Uh, and so... Um, you know, I can tell you about all that stuff and, 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 you know, so I can help people, right? Because people, sometimes people don't understand. You mean I got to pay that back? Well, yeah, you got to pay that back. Uh, And so, uh, so over the years, you know, I helped many people and this one particular fella, um, you know, came, uh, hey, I need some help. And the pastor said, Chip, you go talk to him. Yes, sir. I'll go talk to him. And, and I always tell him first thing, uh, everything in this conversation, uh, the pastor knows about. I don't have any secrets, you know, just between me and you. It's his church, not my church. I'm here as, as an assistant to him, uh, to assist him in this matter. And so anything you tell me is, is in confidence between me, you, and the pastor. Uh, and so, uh, so he, you know, he, he said, well, I need some money. Well, I said, well, do you want to borrow the money from the church or you just want the money to give it to you, the church to give it to you? Well, I want the church to give it to me. 
Well, that's bold, I guess, you know. I mean, if you're going to ask for it, just ask for it, I guess, right? I, you know, I don't understand, but hey, um, I just want the church to give it to me. It's like, and I'm thinking, well, do we owe you something? I mean, does the, the, the church have a debt to you or something, you know? And, and I, okay, fine, you know, well, let's, uh, then if you want the church to give you this money, let's talk about where your money's going right now. Well, I don't want to talk about that. Well, well, yeah, but I don't know if your money, are you, you know, do you have a mistress on the side? Or, you know, are you gambling? Are you drinking, you know, uh, drinking your money away? I mean, where's your money going that you don't have any money? Are you not working? I mean, you know, it could be, I don't know. I don't know, right? So I'm just asking them questions. You know, I don't, I don't tell you that. Well, I got to know because, you know, I can't, I can't give you money if you've been spending it on, you know, your girlfriend who's not your wife, right? I mean, you know what I'm saying? You know, so then I would be, then I would be uh, responsible for assisting you in committing adultery when I can't do that. Right. And so it's not really, you know, I don't, I don't need to see all your bank statements. I just want to know generally, where's your money? Why don't, why are you here? You know, you, I know you're here because you need money, but why are you here that you need money? Uh, and I wasn't unkind or rude about it. You know, I'm trying to help, help the fellow, right? He'll tell me where, because if you tell me where your money's going to be like, well, why are you, you know, I had one fellow, he's broke, another guy. And, uh, he said, I can't, I can't pay my bills. I said, all right, let's go through your bills. What bills you got? You know, and now this was, you know, way back in the 90s, right? When it was still uh, not completely rare, but unusual for everybody to have a cell phone. And he had a cell phone. I said, why do you got a cell phone? I said, you can't pay your bills. Why do you have a cell phone? Well, I have to have a cell phone. Well, you know, anytime I hear those words, you know, anytime I, anytime I hear I have to, what do I hear after that? Blah, 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 blah. Because you don't have to have anything, right? Uh, in fact, uh, Timothy says, with food and raiment, therewith be content. So you've got to have food, got to have clothes. After that, it's all optional, right? I mean, it's nice to have a cell phone. Is it a have to have? He said, I have to have one because once I, I drove and I saw an accident and I called it in. So you know, nobody else in the world has got a cell phone to call it in. Nobody else could call that in. You're the only human being in the entire 7 billion population of the earth that could call, make that phone call. Is that right? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I'm the only one that could call that. Really? But you can't pay your bills. No, I can't pay my bills. But and so, you know, and I can't tell you how many people have told me I've got to have that. I have one person said, uh, you know, I can't pay my bills. Well, you got cable TV. Yeah. Well, you got cable TV. You know, it costs money to have cable TV, right? Now you can get cheap, cheap things. Now, look, does the Lord care if you got? I could care less. I mean, I can't, there's nothing less. In the world. I can't imagine anything less I care about than whether you have cable TV or not. But if you tell me you can't pay your bills, then I would think, well, that's to be a pretty easy one to get rid of. Right. Because could you live without cable TV? I mean, you know, there's lots of people. You ever gone outside the United States? There's lots of people around the world who don't have cable TV. And, you know, they live every day, breathe air, eat, sleep every day, go to work, you know. Seem to be okay without cable TV. I got to have cable TV. I said, I, he said, I have to have the food network. I love the food network. Man, that's great. But you can't pay your bills. Why you got, you know. Now, People, oh, you're just hard. Is that hard? I mean, is that really a hard? Is that, is that me mean hard? I mean, you know, I could have said, well, don't eat or something like that. Uh, in fact, you know, another one said, well, you know, I can't pay my bills, but I, I still have to have my uh, L.A. weight loss uh, program I'm doing, you know. And so I, I still have to pay for that, but I can't pay my bills. So I need, I need a church to give me money. Uh, and I said, uh, and I actually said, this, I said, why don't you just stay fat for a while? And so you can pay your other bills, you know. I mean, you know, that, that was, and I mean, the whole thing was so absurd because, you know, in fact, I ended up telling them, I said, well, your problem is when you get mad, you know, as a wife, you go buy dresses. And I pointed a husband, when you get mad, you go buy tools. 
And so the problem is you both get mad at each other all the time. You're so carnal. You're always spending money to inflict harm on the other one to show them that's your problem. It's not because you don't have enough money to live. They both worked. But they were so, so immature. And I said, so you want me to take money from the widow? And I pointed to the sanctuary where, you know, we had a widow went to church. She would bring her tithe would be like a cucumbers or tomatoes, you know, and uh, once a month she'd bring a tithe of, of finances. But most of the time her tithe was her increase. And so if she got an increase in her in her garden, she would bring it to church. You know, hey, here's a cucumber, right? Praise God. I love cucumbers. Right. And so, um, so I said, you want me to take money from. From that widow who grows, I said, are you growing your own vegetables? You got your own garden? You raising your own beef, cattle, whatever, you know? I mean, she's doing that. That's how she makes her, <clears throat> her ends meet. Yeah. And so now I got I to gotta have all this. I got to have Ellie weight loss, you know? Uh, and so, <clears throat> so this one fellow, he wouldn't tell me where his money was going. I said, well, I'm not going to be able to help you if, I, if you don't. Well, I'm not going to tell you. I said, well, then, then this conversation is over. And so he got mad, and then people came to me. Well, you should have helped him. I tried to help him. Now, uh, well, you should just, you know, do it anyway. You know, I, people, I don't know, people are funny, you know. Well, they're going to lose the house. They ain't going to lose the house, you know, you know whatever. They're not going to lose their house because of that. Well, they're going to lose the house. And, and they ended up just, you know, overriding what I said. And I don't care. You know, I'm, I don't write checks to the church. But they overrode what I said and, and uh, gave money anyway because... And what they don't realize is they were manipulating the church. Uh, and the same thing with the other ones. You know, the other ones said, uh, well, you know, I have to have my L.A. weight loss, but I need you all to know that I turned off my life insurance, you know, uh, because I can't pay my bills. And so the, we really need some help from the church trying to, to, to pressure the church that if I die, my, life, my wife is destitute because I turned off my life insurance. Now, to me, that's just... I mean, that gets me pretty hot right there. You start manipulating, you know, uh, life, you know uh, stuff like that, that's devilish. That is, that is witchcraft, right, to try to manipulate. You know, you'd, you'd grow up and be, a, be an adult and say, here's the problem. You know, I overspent this. I didn't realize this would fail. Whatever it is, you know, this extra bill came up. You know, I mean, life happens, right? Things happen. And, and you know, be honest about it and say, this is what happened, right? I invested in, in, in you know... Uh, uh, gold from Russia, Ukraine, right? I heard that, you know, Russian Ukrainian gold is especially good, and so I, I sunk all my money into that, right? There's no Russian Ukrainian gold, by the way, right? And so I just made that up, but, but people buy this stuff like that all the time, right? And then they end up, uh, end up broke, and so, uh, so that, that same fellow, now, now that was the whole conversation. You know, where's your money going? I'm not telling you. Okay, well, then this conversation's over. And that same fellow stood up in church and said, uh, Chip Bellow uh, gave me bad financial advice. Now, what advice did I actually give him? I actually gave him no advice, none. I didn't even get to the point of giving him any advice, you know. And so, uh, but now I didn't, he stood up in public in the church and said, uh, it was one of these, uh, you know, pick on chip nights, you know, uh, chip below get. So what do you think everybody else thought? Well, they think, well, don't go to chip for financial advice, right? And I don't care, you know, I'm not the pastor. I wasn't the pastor at the time, you know, uh, I mean. Nothing. I mean, I, I'm not going to lose any sleep because you don't come see me, right? But, um, um, you know, the point of, see, it was just devilish because his goal was to inflict harm upon me, right? And to, and to have others to, to uh, look down upon me, right? And so the Lord instructed me, don't ever defend yourself. And so I let everybody think, you know, uh, 
that I give bad financial advice. Anybody who would believe that, right? And it's funny because this, this fella, you know, I don't know why in the world anybody would leave, believe him anyway, right? But um, uh, that's another whole discussion there. So, so you know, th- there will be things that people will, um, uh, will bring uh, conflict to you, right? Uh, if you do right. Now, and, and look, I wasn't unkind. I wasn't mean uh, to at least that fellow, right? To me, the other ones, you know, you decide if I was unkind, saying, that, you know, just stay fat, you know, but it really wasn't unkind, you know. Uh, but, you know, when people start manipulating the church, I, I don't, I'm not happy about it. You know, when you start doing things out of your emotions to demand the church meet your emotional requirements there, um, or you're not going to be happy. You know, that, that's, that, that is manipulation. That's witchcraft, right? And, and um, you know, we should all act like adults, amen? And, and, um, uh, and again, that doesn't mean the church can't be merciful. It doesn't mean that we can't, you know, just overlook, you know, complete total mistakes, you know, fine. You know, I mean, the churches can be merciful. But when you start lying and manipulating things like that, you know, that, that's when I get real problems with, with people, right? Uh, and, so, uh, and so, you know, I have observed over the years, you know, uh, where... Even though, uh, I, to the very best of my ability, I'll do what's right, still conflict comes, right? Still persecution comes. Uh, and, you know, I'm okay with that. Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to do that. And, you know, and I look at, like, my life and I look at my wife's life. Uh, and part of it is we're on, we're on our own paths, right? I'm on my path. She's on her path. And our paths, you know, are, are together in this life. But everybody loves her. Uh, and, and, you know... Uh, there's fewer people who love me, right? <laughs> plenty of people love me, I think, you know, uh, but um, there are plenty of people who just absolutely cannot stand me. I mean, just cannot stand me. Isn't that true, honey, right? Uh, and, and, uh, and I'm the nicest guy, you know. I am, I'm just, you know, I'm just a, a lovable furball, right? Uh, and, and so, but I, I won't compromise, you know. I, I just, I, I just, I can't compromise, you know. When, I, when the Word of God says that, and I can't, I can't be around manipulation and devilish things. I just, you know, I just, just, it just rises up in me. Just, you know, just, just, uh, no, we're not do that. We don't do that. You know, uh, we are all children of the most high God. Let's all act like it, you know? Uh, and so, and that will cause conflict, right? Uh, and, you know, and, and oftentimes, uh, leaders who are in those roles, you know, uh, you know, I look back like in Brother Hagen. You go do a, an internet search on Brother Hagen, you'll find the worst comments about Brother Hagen. And he probably walked more in love than any minister I've ever known, uh, ever, uh, in the love of God and the kindness of God. And, and, was, uh, and you, if you ever listened to him, you'd, this man is a kind person, right? Uh, you know, if you listen to Les Sermon, you'd be, you know, 50-50 maybe, right? I don't know if he's kind or not, you know, but, but uh, you know, and I always love Lester Summerall too, right? Uh, but he can be really direct, and Brother Hagen was never that way, right? He, he just wasn't that kind of person. And so, anyway, it's all of those things that uh, it's going to come, right? Conflict will come. Uh, so for you, you've got to decide what's the right thing to do. Now, if you say things with the intention of harming people, you're out of order. And plenty of people will use the Word of God to, to beat people up and then cause conflict, and they're like, oh, I'm such a martyr. No, you brought that on yourself, right? If you can't speak the truth in love... Uh, then you shouldn't speak at all, right? Uh, and there are plenty of people who say, who speak, but it's not the, it, and they, well, I, I had to tell them the truth, but there was no love in it. Uh, and, um, uh, and so, 
Uh, and I, it's been my observation that even if you speak the truth in love, pe- some people will not like it. They will just flat not like it. It doesn't matter what you, how you, how you, you know, uh, how you say it, uh, but just the fact that you said it, even if it's in love, they will not like it. And so you have to decide what do you do in that moment? If the Lord instructs you to say, do you say or do you not say? Well, Lord, they wouldn't receive it anyway. Is that a reason not to do what the Lord tells you to do? No, because um, even if you know they won't receive it, and there are times when I knew they would not receive things, but still, because the Lord is just, he will send you to somebody knowing they won't receive you to, to remove any excuse from their life so that when they get to stand before him, that they can't say, well, Lord, I never knew. Uh, because he's a just God and because he loves him. It's not because he's trying to harm him, because he loves him enough to give them an opportunity to, to repent. And in fact, you know, I told you in all that conflict that I was with my pastor, you know, years after all that, I was talking to the Lord about it. Lord, you know, why'd you have me go there? Because it was tough, right? Why, why did you have me attend to that church, attend that church and, and try to help those people? And, you know, as a whole, I was fairly ineffective. Right now, a few people I believe I could help in, in some specific cases, but as a whole, I wasn't very effective in helping them. Um, uh, and the Lord spoke to me. He said, I had you there because I love them enough to give them an opportunity to repent. And, and he said, in fact, what he told me, he said, you were the only one who would stay long enough to give them the opportunity because most people under that pressure left. I mean, dozens of people left the church out of that same pressure. Uh, and I'm not looking down on them at all. It was tough to stay. Uh, and, and so he said he loved them enough. And he, so he sent me there because he loved them. I mean, he loved me too, obviously, but I was there because he loved them. And he desired for them to repent and to get back on, in right, uh, on the right track with him. And so I had to suffer for their benefit. Now, I'm not a, I'm not a martyr. I'm not the Lord Jesus. I'm not you know, a substitutionary sacrifice. But sometimes you have to suffer for somebody else's benefit. The suffering that Paul did, he suffered so that the people could hear the word of God. Uh, and, and so uh, the question for us is, are we willing to, to suffer right, for his sake? Because right? if we're suffering for his sake, then we're suffering because he needs us to go do something that maybe other people are unwilling to do or that even though they won't receive the word of God, they will persecute you. They are without excuse. Now, when they stand before the Lord Jesus, they can't say, nobody ever told me. Lord Jesus say, remember that? Well, we didn't like him. Jesus said that that's not part of the requirement. You know, liking me is not part of the requirement. Amen. Now, most people like me, you know, and really uh, what I have observed is that most sincere Christians I get along great with. Most sinners I get along great with. The religious people, the Pharisees, man, it's conflict. I mean, you walk in the door, the conflict immediately just, I mean, just, you know, and I can sense, and they can sense it too, right? I can't tell you how many Pharisees I've been around and they don't like it. Because I don't, you know, I'm not a fan of Pharisees, right? Pharisees sitting around with their long noses, you know, looking down on all, the, all you yahoos, you know. You, you're not nearly as spiritual as me. And even I'm so spiritual, I can't understand it, you know. And uh, man, I don't, I don't like being in that environment at all, you know. Uh, and I've been around a lot of Pharisees over the years. And so, but that's part of my path. That's part of the path the Lord has, has me in. And, you know, um, that's okay, right? Uh, and so, uh, he's, uh, Paul went on to verse 30, says, having the same conflict which you saw in me, now here, which you saw in me, now here to be in me. Uh, and so uh, the same conflict, the same struggles that Paul had, um, uh, he said, you have the same struggles. So he's telling the Philippians, you know, you're suffering too. I understand that you're suffering. Uh, and, and, you know, does anybody like suffering? 
you know, if you tell me you like suffering, I'm going to be like, well, well, they have medication for that, right? Uh, nobody should enjoy suffering, right? Uh, but some people, like, they feel like unless they're suffering, they're not godly. I am perfectly fine with not suffering for days, weeks, months, and years at a time, right? If I never suffer again the rest of my life, I'd be fine with it, right? I'm not looking for it, not trying to get it. But Paul said, you have the same conflict, same suffering, same battle and struggles uh, that you saw in me and now here to be in me, right? Uh, and so, uh, so the Philippians, you know, saw Paul's affliction and persecution and then heard him talk about it. Uh, but they're also experiencing the same thing. And you remember what Jesus said over in Matthew chapter 10. And I'll just read this uh, here in verse 24. It says, the disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master and be the servant as his Lord. If they be called the master of the house, if they call, uh, if they have called the master of the house bills above, how much more shall they call them of his household? So Jesus is talking about here persecution. You know, if I was persecuted, you're going to be persecuted. If I was called names, you're going to be called names. You ever been called names? You know, I don't, I don't like being called names, you know. Uh, I mean, we're, we're three years old on the playground, but people call you names, right? Uh, and they will say things about you. Uh, and so uh, he said, uh, you're not above your master. You know, you're, you're not going to live this life without, without any conflict unless you choose to take yourself out of the game, right? If you take yourself out of the game and be like our, our friend uh, Jabez, right? Remember Jabez? Old Testament Jabez, right? The prayer of Jabez, Lord, let me do no evil. Uh, and uh, you, uh, anybody remember that, that season when everything was the prayer of Jabez, right? You had Jabez coffee mugs and Jabez blankets and Jabez paper plates. I mean, it was everywhere, right? And I'm like, why is this, you know? And, and I just felt impressed to go read up about it. So I read up about it and, and Jabez prayed, Lord, let me do no evil. And the Lord said, now go find out uh, where you find him in the scriptures after that. He was never to be heard from again. The only way to do no evil, the only way to do never do anything wrong is to never do anything. That's pretty easy to do that, right? If you go live in a, as a hermit in a hole somewhere on the top of a hill, don't talk to nobody, don't say anything, don't, don't preach, don't, don't uh, uh, stand your ground, don't uh, have morals or ethics or you know, biblical principles, then uh, you will never do any, any evil, right? Now, that's really not true because you're not doing the will of God, but you know, everybody will love you, amen? And Jesus said, be careful if everybody loves you. you know, uh, I'm far from it being concerned about everybody loving me, right? Uh, and so, so we're not going to be above our master. If Jesus suffered, we're going to suffer, amen? Now, the only suffering he ever did is persecution. And, and so Paul has a lot to say. We talked a lot about must Christians suffer. The only suffering you'll ever have to do is that you can use, uh, that you can't use the name of Jesus to get out of is persecution amen uh and so um and then you've you've heard my discussions and my my um uh, thoughts about that is i wonder if there's not any faith that we are leaving on the table that jesus was able to walk through much persecution sometimes right when they tried to kill him physically right now the verbal persecution he never used his faith to to, to stop the ver verbal persecution as far as using his authority to stop that but uh, there were many times when he walked away from physical persecution, right? Uh, and supernaturally. Uh, and, I'm, uh, and I always wonder, um, I'm not going to go out and try to find some physical persecution to see if it'll work. But I always wonder if there's not some opportunity there for the church to uh, avoid or to get out of physical persecution. Right? I mean, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they did, right? Daniel did. Jesus did. Uh, and so, and those aren't the only examples. So are there, are there opportunities for us if somebody threatens our life where we can use our faith to overcome that, right? Uh, 
Uh, I don't see anywhere in the New Testament where we can use our faith to overcome and to end verbal persecution, right? With calling you names and looking down upon you or don't invite you to all the great Christmas parties and things like that. Uh, and so, so the, the, the really the, 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 the point that we need to appreciate in all these things is it's going to happen. Amen. Don't, don't get your feelings hurt when it happens. Use your faith to overcome your emotions because your emotions will get involved. If, you know, I've had people just tell me, you know, one person in particular, in fact, my wife was there. I can't believe they would talk like that to anybody, you know, uh, especially in front of their spouse there. But they said that, you know, I was a, a terrible pastor and a terrible teacher. I wasn't teaching the people anything, which is too odd to me because that's all I do is teach every single service, right? I mean, I'm, you hear me preach very often. I mean, every now and then I'll preach, but most of the time it's just teaching the word. You're teaching them anything, right? That's a pretty harsh statement, you know. And, but it's just like the devil to find the very thing that means the most to you to attack that, to hurt your emotions the most, right? And I had to spend, you know, minutes to overcome that, right? You know, maybe a day or so to overcome that just because, I, you know, not because I really believed it, but because it just, you know, like, why would he say that, you know? I mean, if he said I was a terrible singer, okay, yeah, I'll hook up with that, you know? I mean, fine, you know, we, uh, amen, we'll pray, you know, believe God. Out of, but see, that's not the devil. He's not going to do that. He's going to find something that means something to you because the call of God in my life means something to me, amen? Uh, and so, but, you know, I got over it, it wasn't a big deal. And in fact, I saw that person not long ago. Hey, how's it going, you know? Uh, and, um, you know, there's still that, that Pharisee started rising up at me, you know, just, you know, I want to be Pharisee, you know, but, you know, I, it, uh, the, the spirit of the prophet is still subject to the prophet, right? Uh, and so I'm not, I, don't, I had to tell him. I didn't have to tell him anything, right? Uh, and so, so uh, Jesus was persecuted. Paul was persecuted. You know, we are going to be persecuted. Amen. Uh, and let's look at one more verse over in Hebrews because um, this is, a, you know, this is, the, of course, the ultimate of persecution here, but um, it's just, a, I like the way that it's said there, Hebrews chapter 2. Uh, it says uh, in verse 9, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, talking about Jesus, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. So when Jesus went to the cross, he went to the cross with grace. Amen. And the grace is the, the power of God, you know, the, the ability of God working in you to fulfill God's will. So even in persecution, there's grace available to you to withstand the persecution. That's the whole point of that. Right. So uh, here there was the grace of God for Jesus to see, uh, see through, uh, see, uh, see the cross through. Right. See, getting to the end of uh, this suffering on the cross by the will of God. Amen. And so was it the will of God for Jesus to go to the cross? It was, right? And did he have grace to go to the cross? He did. Sometimes it'll be the will of God for you to go and have an exchange with somebody that they're going to persecute you. And again, if you can see it from God's perspective, it's not to teach you more piety. It's not to make you more religious or to make you more mature. It's, in fact, uh, one time, you know, the Lord had said, well, you go talk to this. Uh, this is before I was a pastor. Go talk to this one pastor about ministering at his church. And that's what he said. Go talk to him about ministering at his church. And so I went and talked to him. Oh, yeah, no problem. You know, and I think I've told you a story. He said, uh, he said, when do you want to come? I said, I, I didn't expect him to say that, you know, so I didn't bring my calendar with me back before we had paper calendars. Right? Remember that? You had a piece of paper and you printed numbers and grids on it. And that was a calendar, right? Nowadays, it's all on our phones. But 
Um, and so I said, well, I'll, I'll call you next week. Okay, we'll schedule a time. And so he, he never would answer my call. Called him, you know, it was probably a thousand times, you know. Not really, it was probably more than, not more than four or five. You know, it might have been ten times. I don't know, whatever it was. It was, you know, enough times for him to get the hint. Never would answer my call. Never would return my call. I even stopped at his church one time. I knew where his church was, a different county, you know, and everything. He's busy. He was there, but he was busy. <laughs> uh, okay, fine, you know. And so I uh, even saw him a year later. Hey, you know, I'd still like to come minister. Yeah, sure, here's my personal cell number. Call me anytime. Never answered his phone. Never called me back. And so, you know, I was talking to the Lord about it. Uh, Lord, um, you know, why'd you have me do that? You know, I was a little bummed about it because I was thinking, hey, you know, I could start my great worldwide uh, tour right now in this first church right here and start going around the whole world and, you know, be famous and everything. And I didn't really think all that, you know, but, uh, but you know, I always, always love teaching the word of God and any, any opportunity to minister is always a good opportunity. And so um, the Lord said, well, you know, you're not the only one involved in this situation. And that was new information because I was sure I was the only one involved in this situation. Everything about the situation was about me. Had nothing to do with anybody else in the world but me, because everything's all about me, right? Um, and, of course, everything is about you too, right? Is, is there anybody else in the world besides us? Nobody else in the world besides us, right? We're the only ones in the whole world. Uh, and so the Lord said, you know, you weren't the only one involved in that circumstance, in that situation there. Uh, he said, my goal was to help that minister because he has been known to not be a man of his word. And I sent you to him so that he would put out his word and then have the responsibility to then back his word up with what he said. Because didn't he say that I could come preach from any time? But then he wouldn't give me a date, right? And so now, now he's failed that. He had the Lord intentionally set that situation up to give him an opportunity to be a man of it, to repent, right? And, and to change and to start being a man of his word. He chose not to. Now, it's unfortunate he chose not to, but I wasn't there to... to Stick my, you know, because I didn't know why I was there. The Lord said, just go, right? He didn't say, well, this man doesn't, you know, he's not very honest. You know, he, he lies most of the time, you know. He didn't tell me all that stuff until later on. I find out, well, you know, well, thanks for telling me, Lord, you know. That would have been good information to know. Uh, I would have brought my calendar with me on, on, on purpose, you know, just to make sure I got a date. But, uh, and so, you know, there, uh, any time uh, that persecution comes, I'm always thinking about the other person. I'm thinking, you know, I'm here to help this person. And even if they don't like it, if they're mad at me, if they say things about me, the Lord loved them enough to send me to them. And it makes it a whole lot easier because that's, that's generally what it is. It's rarely the Lord, well, I just, when, I, you know, well, not rarely, it's never the Lord's thinking, I need you to go suffer. I, I, want, you to, I want you to go suffer for a little while. He, that's not the Lord's goal. The goal is I need that person help to be helped. And you're the only one I can find that's willing to go. Because sometimes he couldn't find anybody, right? Remember that in, in Ezekiel? He looked for one person to pray. He couldn't even find one. Sometimes you're the only one who's willing to go sometimes. Uh, and yeah, uh, will they receive it? Who knows, right? I mean, you just don't know. There were ministers that Brother Hagin just wouldn't go. He wouldn't go talk to them because uh, he knew that, they, that uh, uh, they would just excoriate you, right? Beat you up. Uh, and... Um, uh, one person, uh, the Lord said, if you don't go, they're going to die. And they died. You know, one person the Lord said to go to. And, and it wasn't that he was concerned about persecution. In that case, he just didn't go to him, get, didn't get around to it. And, and the Lord showed them uh, the screams of, of them in agony and hell. And he said, that's on you. Their blood is on your hands. And it really straightened him up. You know, he went, he started going after that. But so if you, if you can see it from, 
See, I see it from the Lord's perspective. I know the Lord never wants me to suffer. He's not, he has no desire for me to suffer. He doesn't want me to suffer. He's not trying to get me to suffer. He's not using suffering to help me, to, to, to make me stronger, whatever. I can learn from it, but that's not why he's sending me. He's sending me there because people I go to need help. And sometimes they'll receive it. Sometimes they won't, right? Uh, and, 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 I'll, and I'll tell you one more and then we'll go. Uh, there was one fellow that was a, a real big part of the problem at, their, at our church when, when, when I was my pastor. A lot of the problems, you know, the church had, had really grave, serious spiritual problems, right? We love the Lord, praise God, spoken tongues, right? But grave, serious spiritual problems, you know, backbiting, backstabbing, uh, uh, competition in the church, jockeying for position, gossip, you know, all, you know, all those evil things like that, right? Not walking in love, pride and arrogance, you know. I mean, a lot of just terrible things, right, that uh, you shouldn't allow in a church. Amen. And look, if you've got people, you're going to have that sometimes in a church, but it should never be part of the church. It shouldn't be part of the DNA of the church, right? That was part of the DNA of the church, unfortunately. And I even talked about it to, to the church publicly one time. That's another discussion. But, uh, and so, so years later, you know, the one fellow who was really a, a, a key player in all the devilish stuff that went on in the church uh, the Lord said, you go talk to him. This is years after my pastor died. You know, go talk to him. Lord, I don't go talk to him. You go talk to him, you know. <laughs> and I, who wants to go talk to him, right? I mean, he caused so much grief and anguish in the church and really uh, so many problems in the church were due to his influence there at the church uh, because he, I, and, I, and I heard him more than once, you know, uh, talking to the pastor, whispering. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, well, that ain't true. We, in fact, I was in the car with him. The three of us were in the car one time, just the three of us, nobody else. They were in the front seat. I was in the back seat. And they started gossiping about the bass player. Yeah, the bass player, he, he's doing this right here. You know, that one fellow, the bass player, pastor, he's, he's doing this one thing. And, and you know, I, and I couldn't stand it. You know, now I'm the sound man, right? Part of the sound man, I'd go up on the stage and I'd check out everything on the stage, right? I'd check out the speakers and monitors, you know, and make sure that the levels were all right, you know, that everything was turned on, everything. Uh, and I'd be, so I'd be on the stage a lot. And the, you know who's on the, on the stage? The bass player, right? And so, oh yeah, he's doing this. And finally I spoke up and said, Pastor, I said, I've been, uh, you know, I see him every week. I said, he has never done that. Well, you know, who do you think you are, you know? I'm the one who's not gossiping is who I am, right? I'm not gossiping. But he would, do, he would lie on people to run them down because he thought that elevated his position with the pastor. Now, unfortunately, my pastor would kind of like that, you know, he kind of like, you know, feeling important, you know, oh, you're telling me this secret information, you know, and, and he, that was one of the uh, character flaws my pastor had, he, he couldn't, you come to me, gossip about somebody else, I don't want to hear it, you know, you got a problem with somebody, you bring them to me, unless it's really serious, you know, I mean, you know, there are limits to everything, right, if it's really serious, you come talk to me, but if it's just gossip, pastor, they took two chicken legs the other day, and, and my, I mean, I can't believe that, you know, and, and they only ate one and a half of them. You know, and, and I just want you to know they're, 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 they're being a glutton. They're being a chicken glutton, Pastor. And you need to call them down publicly. All you chicken gluttons, you know, you need to repent. Every one of you, right? Uh, and, and so you, you come to me, stuff like that, we're not going to be friends, right? Because that's just, that's just childishness, you know. Uh, I mean, if you don't like it, go up there and give them a third chicken leg to, to make sure that you walk in extra love, Right? And see if you can't make, bake them a whole chicken, take it to them tomorrow, right? Apparently they love chicken, so make them some more chicken for them, right? You go the extra mile. You don't gossip about them, amen? Uh, 
And, and you know, the, the church would be better off if we would go the extra mile and walk in love instead of gossiping about people. Uh, and, you know, I had one person call me uh, and say, uh, Pastor, uh, there was somebody speaking in tongues when, you, when we were singing. And you need, to, you need to tell them to stop that. My blood started boiling. I mean, it was all I could do not to reach through, the, reach through the telephone and just, you know, just smack them upside the head. Like, who do you think you are? They weren't bothering you, the Lord Jesus, anybody. Nobody in the church in the whole world was being bothered by them speaking in other tongues. Uh, and uh, they were worshiping God as they saw fit. Who made you judge of the earth? You know, that's what I want to tell them all those things, right? Uh, and, uh, and so sometimes because my flesh wants to come out, I, you know, I, I do have to constrain myself because I can't be out of order just because they're out of order, right? And so, you know, sometimes you don't say things, but, uh, but you know, you do think them, right? Uh, and and uh, stuff like that right there calling me because somebody's worshiping God. You don't like how they're worshiping God. Uh, who do you think you are? And none of y'all would do that, right? But who do you think you are calling anybody and talking about anybody, about anything? None of your business, right? I mean, if you saw, hey, pastor, I saw them taking money out of the offering. Okay, fine, right? You know, that, that's a real thing, right? But uh, 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 pastor, they sung that last verse twice. Can you believe that? You know? <laughs> <laughs> the church is a mess, right? But, you know, and that's why we need leaders in the church to help us out, right? But if leaders aren't doing any better than the people, you know, we've got real problems, right? And so they went on, right? I mean, that, and that was just one instant where they were doing that. And I can't tell you how many times I'd see them whisper to the pastor, yeah, yeah, and that's like, you know. Uh, and um, in fact, uh, one time uh, when I was going to buy a motorcycle, uh, um, uh, there was, they were going to go on a trip. You know, I didn't have a bike at the time, but they were going to go on a motorcycle trip. Several of them in the church were going to go on a motorcycle trip. I didn't have one, but they, there was a motorcycle for sale that I wanted that was, happened to be on their way to, to where they were going. And I said, hey, would you guys mind stopping by and looking at this motorcycle and see what you think, you know? I mean, you know, it'd be great. You all know a lot about motorcycles, you know? Wouldn't that be great? I mean, it's literally like just, you know, I mean, just barely out of the way, if at all. If they went that way, it wouldn't be out of the way at all, right? They could go through that way and... And the pastor came to me and said, they're so mad that you had the gall to, you know, to, to even ask him to do such a thing. I'm thinking, it, man. And so you know what I did? I, I said, well, pastor, do you have a problem? No, I don't have a problem, but the other people did. So I talked to everybody except for the one fellow I knew who said that. I said, hey, do you mind stopping? No, I don't mind at all. I'd be love to do that. You know, I talked to the other guy. Uh, hey, would you mind doing it? Oh, no, I'd love to do that. Well, I'm looking forward to that. I think it'd be great if we stopped by and look at that. So... Uh, talked to three of the people out of the four going on the trip. The three of them were like, oh, yeah, no problem. So who was it that complained about it? The one fellow that the Lord go tell me to go talk to, right? I don't want to go do that, Lord. I, you know, not any, I got no desire for that, you know. I'm not trying to be somebody. I'm not trying to be anything. I just, you know, you go tell them. All right, all right. I said, well, Lord, then, then you've got you've to work. Uh, you know, I'm not going to go knock on the door. Hey, Lord, the Lord, thus said the Lord. I'm not doing that. I'll, you know, I'll work around it, you know, I'll work up to it. And, oh, Lord, you've got to work the conversation to that, to that, to that topic then. Okay, because we're in this together. I ain't going by myself. He's going with me, right? You, no, I'm, you send me by myself. I ain't going. You go with me. He's got to go with me. So he went with me. We went you know, found him, you know, and, and we got the chit-chatting, you know, about this and that. And he brought something up related to that. I said, well, you know, I'm glad you brought that up. You know, um, you know a lot of the problems. Now, here, here's what the Lord wanted to do. The Lord wanted me to tell him a lot of the problems were due to his influence. But if he would repent, the Lord would forgive him and put him back on track where he was supposed to go. That's what the Lord wanted me to go tell him. 
because he got out of track. He got off track where he was going. He was uh, spiritually floundering around. Not, not, you know, he was sick and had a lot of business problems, you know, and nearly killed himself one time. And, uh, and the Lord said, here's how you get back on track. That, that's the goal. That's a pretty good goal, right? Repent, get back on track. All is well. All is forgiven. All is forgotten. And that's what the Lord told me to go tell him, to go help him out. But I didn't want to go. Now, that's not because I didn't want to help him, but because I knew the fellow, right? And so I started on the path. The Lord, here's what the, you know, I didn't say thus said the Lord because, you know, it's name dropping. And, you know, people say that a lot of times to mask terrible doctrine that the Lord didn't say. So, you know, I let them judge for themselves that what I'm saying is of the Lord or not. And, and instead of telling them that it's of the Lord, I just let them judge for themselves. And so a lot of the problems, you know, the church was, was, uh, you know, around you. And I was, and I was about to say, but. He said, well, they were around you, too. You did just as much as I did. I, I did this. I did this, you know, you know, and that flesh started rising up. You know, just give me something, you know. Just give me a, you got a bat here? I need a bat, you know. You don't want to bat somebody upside the head. You're like, what do you mean? I mean, you know, I wasn't perfect, but I was not the cause. You know, I was in gossip. I was not the cause, you know. It's like saying, you know, me and Michael Jordan scored 60 points, right? Well, how many did you actually score? Well, I scored one, but me and Michael scored 60, right? So we were, you know, we did just as much, you know. No, you did one, he did 60, right? And that was, that was about the deal, right? And, and so, so he just basically slammed the proverbial door in my face, right? And, and, and I didn't get to say, here's what the Lord said. Because the, the Lord loved him. See, the Lord wasn't trying to punish me, the Lord loved him. The Lord loved him enough that if, uh, to send somebody to him, just like, remember Nathan went to, went to remember Nathan? The, Lord, the word he gave to, to David, said, hey, there's this rich guy, you know, and he's got all these sheep and stuff. And there's this poor guy. He's got one sheep. And, you know, uh, somebody came to visit the rich guy. And instead of taking his sheep, he stole the one sheep from the poor guy and, and, and fed it to his traveling buddy instead of using one of his sheep. And David said, that guy should die. And Nathan said, you're the guy. And David's like, yeah, sorry about that. Lord. Uh, and it, but it put him on the path of repentance, right? But see, the Lord didn't send him uh, to go be mean. He, he desired David to get back on track. And he, David did get back on track, right? Uh, Psalm 51, right? Created me a clean heart, O Lord, right? Was from that, that interaction with Nathan. Uh, and, and I'm not the prophet Nathan. I'm just, the Lord sent me to this fellow to help him out. Now, see, if David said, I don't want to hear no stupid story about no shepherds, you get out of my face, right? Then, then Nathan would have left and, and he would have never been able to repent the way he did, right? Uh, and, and that fella, he's, I think he's doing okay now, but he could have saved himself years of grief, years of grief, if he'd have just let me finish saying what the Lord sent me to tell him, right? Uh, and, and now, you know, see, he, who, who knows what he said when I left? You know, that Chip Bolio came by, the, uh, you know, said I'm the cause of all this. You know, who does he think he is? I am nobody, right? I am nothing, I'm of no value to anybody in this earth other than what the Lord allows me to be right uh, and so uh, but um, uh, by the grace of God Jesus tasted death for all of us by the grace of God if he sends me to somebody I will go by the grace of God uh, and um, you know the, the, uh, the one of the fellow uh, and will go uh, the Lord sent me to him you go talk to him and there were some things that he'd been doing wrong in the church and I needed to go talk to him uh, and, and it was really odd because the Lord asked me a question on the way because I knew 
what he'd done was out of order and he, he needed to repent. Uh, and, um, and the Lord asked me a question. He said, what kind of a man will he be? That's a really unusual question, isn't it? And the answer was uh, that what I told the Lord, I said, I hope that he's a man that will repent. That's what I told the Lord. What kind of a man will he be? Because a real man will repent. An immature man will, you know, well, who do you think you are, right? You were just as much of a problem as I was. That's what a person who doesn't want to mature and grow up will do, right? But a, a mature person will say, you know, you're right. And I'd like to repent. Can we, can, I, can we pray together right now and let me repent? No problem. Because I'd have walked out there never thinking another thought about anything they ever did wrong, ever. Uh, what kind of a man will he be? That's a, that's a tough question right there, right? And he's only ever asked me that question about one person in the whole world, right? And so, uh, and none of you also. <laughs> God didn't ask all about me. Uh, and so, what kind of a man will he be? What kind of a man will you be if someone comes to you, right? Will you listen or will you come out with knives blazing, right? Oh, yeah, well, your mama. Because, see, my job is not to have a result, right? My job is to come and bring the information and let you choose, right? Whether you repent or don't repent, that's never on me. The Lord will never judge me if you repent or if you don't repent. He will only judge me if I go or don't go. If I go, I'm off the hook, right? Now, if, if, if uh, you don't respond correctly, that will break my heart. You know, I will be in anguish and tears over it and pray, Lord, help them, you know. Because if you don't listen, you know, the only reason he sends people is because we're too dumb to hear, hear him ourselves. Amen. I mean, there's no need for him to send me if you'll listen to him. Amen. He, he lives on the inside of you. And the only reason he ever sends people is because uh, we're the last straw. You know, he'd love for you to hear the word. He'd love for you to hear the spirit of God. But if you want to hear the word of the Spirit of God, he'll send some dummy like me, right? And, and hopefully you'll listen to him. And, and, and that's three strikes. If you can't hear the word, the Spirit of God, and, and a person, that's three strikes. And Lord, it may be years before you ever hear again. Uh, amen. I mean, it might, be, it might be a long time. Amen. Uh, well, let's pray and thank the Lord for, for his word. So, Father, we do thank you for the word of God. And, Father, we thank you for blessing us and, and increasing us. And, Father, uh, we do know that sometimes persecution comes, but, but Father, we see in your word that, that you said by grace, Jesus suffered death for all men. And so t- t- in times, Father, when persecution might arise because we speak the word or we, because you do what you ask us to do, uh, Father, not because we're out of order, not because we're rude or disrespectful, but because we just simply bring the love of God to people, sometimes persecution will come. But Father, in those times, grace is there. And if we will see that you love the people enough to, to send us to them, then it'll help us, Father. It'll help encourage us that, yes, we should still go because people are worth uh, giving them an opportunity to repent and hear your good news. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive this evening's offering. And... Um, um, you know, there's one other story that I think would be helpful that, uh, um, in fact, it was, it was dealing with my pastor. And to come ahead, Mr. Jared. And, um, you know, there was just many, many years, or great years, but many years, there was difficult years. And um, Chris always said, I just wish you all just fight it, fight it out and get it over with. Just fight and get it over with, you know. <laughs> Except 
you know, that's great, except he was a black belt in karate, right? So, you know, that's just, I don't know what she was hoping, you know, to, how that was going to overcome, you know. Uh, and so, you didn't mean physical? Oh, okay, well, you know, that's, I mean, you know, he, he could probably kill me three ways without even looking at me, right? And so, uh, uh, and so, um, but, you know, I was talking to the Lord about it, because my desire was to fix it, I, you know, because I never knew what the conflict was. Of course, last week, you know, if you were here last week, you'd, you'd find out what the conflict was for five years. I, fi- I finally figured out what it was, but I didn't know for all those years. And so I finally with the Lord said, Lord, can you not tell him to walk in love with me? Because I'd go to his office and say, Pastor, what, whatever it takes, you know, I'm ready to work it out, you know. And I would do that, whatever it takes. Well, then, we know we're no problem, we're good. He told me that one time, well, we're good. And that same Wednesday night, he stood up and, and accused me of all manner of evil from the pulpit. I'm thinking, can we go back to where we were good at the office just a few hours ago? Just, you know, this same day, right? Same day. Uh, Lord, you know. Can you just not tell him to walk in love? Uh, and and uh, he said, no. And that's all he said, no. Man, I can't even get the Lord on my side. I mean, I'm suffering. I need help. I can't even get him. And, and that really bothered me for years. Now, I never, you know, I finally learned later on to ask more questions, right? But, you know, I just got my, feeling, my precious feelings hurt and wouldn't ask any more questions. And so, so later on, I asked him, I said, Lord, you know, why, why didn't you tell him to walk in love? And you know what he said? He said, I already told him in my word to walk in love. He said, I'm under no obligation to repeat myself. And, th- and that's, a, that's a problem sometimes. The word of God is, is plenty capable 99% of the time. The other 1% of the time, the Holy Spirit's plenty capable. 0% of the time, it's necessary to send a person, but he still sends people, right? Because he's merciful and kind and he loves us, Amen. He said, uh, he said, my word already told him, walk in love. I'm not required or obligated to repeat myself. Now, sometimes he does because he's merciful. But if his word covers a topic, he doesn't have to, to send a net telegram to you to say, do my word. He already told you, do his word, right? Be, be you doers of the word and not hearers only. Uh, and so, uh, you know, there, there's, uh, um, the Lord's good, amen? And so when I, when I got to go talk to people, I always think, Lord, you love them enough to send even me. I mean, you got to really love them to send me, right? I mean, wow. Uh, and, and so, because he does, he does love people, doesn't he? He does want to help them out, doesn't he? Amen. And sometimes he will use you and sometimes he will use me to go help people. Amen. But just know you're the last straw. I mean, you know, you're not, you're not first, you know, first is always the word, right? Second's the Holy Spirit. You know, you're, you're third on a totem pole at best, right? Um, and if he's really merciful, he might send a couple people. Amen. Uh, remember the, some of the stories with Jesus, he'd send a bunch of people and finally he sent his son. Amen. So praise God. Is the Lord good? He's good, so don't forget, uh, um, of course, the funeral is this uh, Saturday at 11 a.m. Central Time. Uh, Brother Randy be with us here uh, Sunday morning at 10.30 and at Healing School at 3 o'clock. So y'all be blessed. Have a wonderful weekend, Lord, and, and uh, we'll see you on Sunday.